You're listening to Childhood Remastered. This week, we'd like to thank Seng and Dak for following us on Facebook. If you'd like to hear your name on our next episode, just like or follow any of our social media, which you can find at childhoodremastered.com. This week, we also want to thank everyone over the podcast we listen to Facebook group for being such a great podcasting community. Ember and Angel from the Color Me Dead podcast for just being awesome. And to Hall of Fame listener Sean Gleason, who recently binged our entire back catalog in under a week and has given us a ton of great ideas for future shows. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies and whatnot of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be finishing up our run of the Disney afternoon with Tailspin. <laughs> This is our 49th episode, and we are finishing out our Disney coverage with, uh, I'd say, pretty good, pretty good pick. Yeah, I, I'd say so too. Yeah. And I will say, let's before we before we uh, before we get into the what I was about to say. Like, you watched the show, yeah? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it before oh, you rewatched it? Before I rewatched it. So, um, I I think I have my fondest memories of. Of the show, the four shows that we covered, my fondest memories and and most kind of distinct memories are Ducktales first, Tailspin second. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Gummy Bears a close third, and Rescue Rangers last. That's how I would put them in my memory's eye, and I would say I'm gonna stick with my child's eye memory. Uh, I have a lot of memories related to Tailspin. I actually, as a kid, I. I remember the show being a lot longer than apparently it actually was. It was yeah, only 65 too. episodes, one season. And uh, and it really only ran from May of 1990 uh, till August 8th of 1991. That's it. And, and the thing is, I don't... I remember it being longer, and I remember distinctly having a lot of sort of fantastical... I don't know, visions or delusions of grandeur, I guess, as a, as a little kid. Imagining myself uh, as Baloo sometimes with this plane and traveling the world and landing in water and getting to go explore the world wherever I wanted. When I was a little kid at this age, I did actually also... I remember wanting to own a plane and be a pilot specifically because I wanted this <laughs> plane. I did. I wanted this plane. And then later I was I got older and I didn't want the plane I wanted a helicopter which is all stupid but yeah but I did have a lot of distinct memories about this show watching it in the afternoon um, watching it in the reruns later yeah I like I had similar I had a similar uh, I guess history with the show I remember watching the show I maybe don't remember it as fondly as you do but I definitely enjoyed the show. And even at a young age, I kind of knew it was a little bit more mature than the other shows on the Disney Afternoon. If if for only if only for the fact that they had air pirates that shot like they used guns a lot with more bullets. Yeah, guns with bullets and air airplanes that shot down other airplanes. And it wasn't it wasn't so much like a kiddie show as say Chippendale or Gummy Bears or even Ducktales. Really, like they used guns in Ducktales a little bit. But not with the frequency that they did in Tailspin. And from re-watching it, I realized that this show is a lot more adult than I knew yes. when I was a kid. This show has a lot more mature themes, a lot more... Concepts. Yeah, con uh, mature introspective. concepts. The, uh, some of the things that you and I mentioned were, I guess, sort of, not criticisms, but um, less than perfect about Rescue Rangers. Yeah. Right? That this show, I think, definitely picked up on. Yeah. Uh, what I don't understand is why this show only has 65 episodes. Yeah, it's like it went for one season and then that was it. 
It has the least amount of the four that we're covering for Disney Afternoon, and I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't either. I it, think it's one of the better shows. It is, actually. I, I would say that, aside from DuckTales, it's probably the second best show of the Disney Afternoon had. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, is, you know, it aired for that one year, but then it ran in reruns on the Disney Afternoon block until 95. Yeah. Just in the Afternoon block. Then it moved over to Disney Channel and aired on the two-hour block called The Block Party on mm-hmm. weekends from 4 to 6. Which had Darkwing Duck, DuckTales, and Chippendale. And it showed there until 98. And then went to Toon Disney from 98 to 2006. And then again, 2007 to 2008. So this got a lot of syndicated reruns. Yeah, I was going to say, this show had some serious lasting power. For only 65 episodes. Yeah. That's not bad. I mean, Gummy Bears had more. DuckTales definitely had more. And I feel like this show got the most play. Yeah, absolutely. You know, initially Disney simply, they just commissioned the creators Magon and Zaslov to create a 30-minute animated program with no requirements as to what the show should be about. Yeah, and I think we should say that this show, if you've never seen it, takes uh, most of the characters, most of the main characters They're from, all from Jungle Book. the Jungle Book, the 1960s yeah. Jungle Book cartoon uh, And they create movie. a few new characters, too. Yeah, but you have, you have Baloo, who says the same name, Baloo and Baloo. And uh, Shere Khan, Shere Khan and, and Louie. King Louie. Uh, there's no Ka, there's no Mowgli, there's no elephants. No, but some of the other... I mean, they're, the animal designs get reworked. Yeah, I want to say that there's probably some panther characters yeah, in it, like Bagheera. But there are elephants in the show, but they and they're drawn like the ones in Jungle Book, but they're just not those characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, what happened was, is they... They were getting really close to the deadline for a pitch. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't come up with anything. So they decided to make the story about Baloo, one of the central characters of the Jungle Book. Originally, though, this show was going to be uh, based upon uh, Launchpad McQuack. Hmm. So well, that makes sense because the show centers around pilots. And, and, the, and the plane is called the Sea Duck. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, the originally that was their idea. And that got, you know... That got changed because Disney said no. And so they decided to have Baloo work for an air delivery service. And so in order to add sort of dramatic effect, they decided to maintain the impressionable son, bad father dynamic, which uh, had driven sort of the plot of Jungle Book. Yeah. And so they replaced Mowgli Mowgli with um, this anthropomorphic bear character named Kit, Kit Cloud Kicker. And they apparently they were inspired by Cheers the the common sick the very popular sitcom at the time and so they created the character Rebecca who's based off of Rebecca Howe from Cheers yeah and gave her character's arc a, a sort of similar run yeah in 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 the not the Jungle Book but in Tailspin what happens is Baloo owns essentially a failing cargo delivery service and Rebecca comes in in the first episode and essentially buys the buys the the business out from under him and renames it higher for higher yeah because it was like baloo's delivery service or something like that and yeah renames it higher for higher and she is rebecca is a no nonsense very much a businesswoman who's take charge and very authoritarian and makes baloo work and baloo is the same kind of he has the same kind of personality that he did in and work ethic yeah personality and work ethic that he did in the jungle book he's very lazy he doesn't like working he likes partying he likes drinking but he's like fiercely loyal and will help you know his friends and that kind of thing yeah so it's the the it's the Ted Danson, uh, Kirstie Alley dynamic that from they Cheers, mm-hmm. where you have a very serious business-minded woman who runs the bar, and then you have the the main worker guy who's the you know the Ted Danson slash Baloo character who is trying to get away with as much as he can get away with. You're right. And then there's and the, the whole thing is a period piece. Yeah, uh, supposed to take place in like the late 30s, and there's this. Uh, so Louis is the owner and runner of a bar. And uh, they make the bar a basically a tiki bar that's um, sort of this neutral zone, kind of like in Casablanca. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, on purpose. And uh, they decided to add Shere Khan to the show, but he's basically a businessman. He's like a mo- um, he's like a, 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 a business mogul. He's like a Lex Luthor type almost. Yes. And and the 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 guys who created this Magon and Zaslav they they were inspired by Hayao Miyazaki's uh, eighty nine manga Hikote Jidai. 
which is about this pig-headed guy who flies a seaplane and fights air pilots. That's so, basically the plot of this entire show. <laughs> yeah, and then two years after this, Miyazaki released an anime adaptation called Porco Rosso, which I've seen. It's also very good, by the way. Um, all of Miyazaki's stuff is amazing. But the time frame of the series is never exactly addressed, but you can tell that it's supposed to be the late 30s, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, there, there's um, there's easy... There, there's there's telltale signs, like... The Air, Art Deco. Yeah, it's very Art Deco. The, 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 the town where they live is called Cape Suzette, and there's a lot of puns on everything, but Cape Suzette, you know, pun on Crepe Suzette. And in uh, my episode, uh, one of my episodes that I picked, they talk about, the, quote, the Great War ending 20 years ago. Yeah, so... Which for me means in 1938. Yeah, exactly. So, so you have the town of Cape Suzette, which is, I think, like a city-state. Like, it's a city, but it's much bigger than a city. It's huge. And it's it's in this cove that's protected by these giant cliff faces that they have anti-aircraft guns in. It's I, I always liked Cape Suzette. I thought it was so cool. Like, I wanted to visit this world so bad. Yeah, the, the world... I felt like it was such a wide, expansive world to be explored... It reminds um, me of it reminds me of like the the world that they build in like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because it's sort of from the same time frame. I think that one takes place yeah. in 1939 or 38 or something. So you have the Art Deco style. You have uh, radios being there's no television, so radios are the jet main. engines are experimental. Yeah, um, everybody flies by propeller plane. Um, it's cool though. I like yeah. it a lot. I really like the the scenery and the staging for these yeah um, it's it's super interesting to just look at just as a just as a visual medium it's super interesting yeah sound off just turn it on and it's cool to just look at and yeah. it's done beautifully too uh the animation itself is beautiful so one of the creators uh, i was like i'm not really going to mention this guy uh because he's created edited and wrote on all the shows we discussed and that's jim uh, Mag- jim megan uh, but the other guy, Mark Zaslav, uh, started his time at Disney on Fox and the Hound and Black Cauldron, Little Mermaid, and Oliver and Company. Mm-hmm. And and he's worked on a bunch of other stuff. He left Disney in 92 and then ended up doing Mighty Max after this. Did you ever? I watched, any, I watched you Mighty, Mighty Max. Mighty Max? Yeah. I remember it being a lot cooler than I'm pretty sure it actually was. Yeah, it's yeah. No, I haven't watched any of it, but I remember it being so cool. It's not good. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's not good. Mighty Max, by the way, was a like an animated show based on. It was it was a male redoing of Polly Pocket. Basically. Yes, absolutely. It was, um, it was trying to capitalize on the Polly Pocket thing and the, the toys. I didn't. I never liked the toys. The show, as a kid, I thought the show was kind of cool, but like now, it's not. It doesn't hold up. And then there's, um, do you remember Bump in the Night? Is that the claymation one? Yes. Yes, I do. I, I think most people uh, forget about this, but I I feel like I had forgotten about it. And as soon as I looked up the image of, <laughs> of the show, I was like, oh my God, I remember this. I want us yeah. to do it. So now it's like one more thing we got to add. There was another show we did, I guess, called Crow that I do remember, but I don't remember it that well. I just remember that it was about cavemen. And it was about like this family of Neanderthals, and there was one of them named Crow, and he was a Crow Magnon. And that's all I remember about it. And they did adventures, and it was I don't know if it was any good or not, but Probably not. something to add to our, our, our thing here. There was four producers, and I, I really only I really only just wanted to mention Larry Latham for doing an American tale, The Treasure of Manhattan Island. God, what is it? Like the fourth one? The third one? Uh the fourth one, I think. Third one, and then the fourth one, An American Tale, The Mystery of the Night Monster. Now, I had no idea that there was a third and a fourth. <laughs> I didn't either until making these notes for us. So Just, just, like, the, just like the like fifth and sixth and tenth Land Before Times. Live and learn. Uh, Sylvester and Sylvester, the, the guys who did like a bunch of theme music. Do you remember we talked about yeah, them in yeah, one yeah. of our earlier episodes? Uh, they did the theme music for this too. Yeah, and the, um, the theme music. I was I was just saying right before we started recording. I I, pump, I pumped up the theme music, and to me the theme music sounds like something you would hear in Disneyland. It, it, yeah. remi- it reminds me of the Tiki Room, the Tiki Room from Disneyland. Just, I think so. It's just very jungly, like for for it being a, a, a show. Sort of reminds me of a Tiki Bar. Yeah, which for, I think was like intentional. Yeah, for being a show that doesn't really take place in any kind of jungle or forest area it, it, it definitely gets that feel yeah let's talk about the characters we got baloo who's um you know baloo is apparently got 
a really long name that I didn't know. Baloo von Brunwald the Thirteenth. Yeah, I had no um, idea either. Yeah, he's he's sort of based on on a sloth bear, and and so we talked about we Sean and I just kind of mentioned him earlier, but he he flies this plane called the Conwing L sixteen, which is a made up aircraft, which is like a combination of a of a Fairchild C eighty two and a Grumman HU sixteen, just like two different kinds of planes. But the name Baloo comes from the Hindi word for bear, Baloo, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I think a lot so, of the I think a lot of the uh... All the characters, really, I think from the Jungle Book had names that meant something like they're like Mo or like uh, Bagheera was like Shere Khan and all. Yeah, they all had stuff like that. Yeah, I, he's I can't the, remember. Baloo is the Baloo is the main character of the show. He's like we said, he's lazy. He's kind of a slob. He loves flying. He protects the the sea duck, his plane, like it was his child. And he's super loyal to his friends. Like those are the, <laughs> that's probably his most redeeming quality is that he is a very, very loyal person, but he's also unreliable and like I said, lazy and yes, just, yeah. And he's, he's a great pilot though. Yeah. No, he is. He's super skilled at what he does. And he's voiced by Ed Gilbert, who's a, who's a famous voice actor who died a while back, uh, who did character work for like Brave Star. He was General Hawk at G.I. Joe. Uh, he was... In Peter Pan and the Pirates as Mr. Smee, uh, Vizier in the Aladdin uh, cartoon series. He was also uh, Dormammu in the Spider-Man animated series. Oh. So, and he as, did some other stuff too, but we don't need to get and, into and it. And as Baloo, he sort of, I noticed, uh, I noticed this watching it, he sort of uses like sort of a southern accent for Baloo a little bit. Well now, looky here. <laughs> Dig these crazy friends. <laughs> Louie, it's Yui. <laughs> <laughs> Swab the poop deck. Scuttle that scuttle, bud. <laughs> yeah, I think that's his way to do his, I think that was what he had to do to get his like Phil Harris voice. Yeah. I think. Um, and I think he does a pretty good job. Yeah. So Kit Cloudkicker is this 12-year-old uh, bear cub who's his navigator uh, who lived with air pirates and then eventually joins them. And he's sort of as carefree as Baloo. But um, he, he's he's way more respectful to people. Than and, maybe Baloo is. Yeah. Oh, way more. Like he calls. I think it's because he's a 12-year-old kid who's yeah. afraid of getting in trouble is yeah. what it is. It's all we need. Especially after what the professor said about the idol. Better not look at it. Okay. I wonder what would happen. And he's voiced by R.J. Williams that we talked about before. And, and another guy named Alan Roberts. But uh, R.J. Williams, we, we previously mentioned in our Gummy Bears coverage um, since he's the voice of Kevin. Yeah. In the last season. Yeah. Rebecca. Oh, Rebecca. Rebecca Cunningham. She is uh, a brown bear. Uh, she keeps her hair in a French twist. <laughs> uh, and she she's always wearing pants and a jacket. And she has this like weird relationship with Baloo. Hire for hire. Sorry, your cargo's not here yet. Why? Because my pilot's about to have a horrible accident. That's why. If Baloo is where I think he is, he's gonna wish he weren't. Operator, get me Louis. Very, yeah, very Cheers-ish. Yeah. It's, where they, it's almost like a love-hate. You know, he calls her Becky, Beckers, and Beck. And Rebecca. I feel like I feel like their relationship is more of like a sibling relationship. Oh, see, I p actually picked up on different in, in one of the episodes. That, in that a lot, we picked today. in a lot of them, um, in a lot of the episodes, at least that I remember, like uh, Baloo is gets ordered around by her. And if you're if you're gonna say that there is like an attraction between the two, I don't think there is. I don't. I don't. If there is, no, I, I think, think it's in incidental. I think Baloo has some sort of feelings for her maybe that he doesn't realize he has maybe but she uh you know she's like this kind of shrewd businesswoman with an mba who kind of came in and bought his flailing business and it's voiced by sally struthers yep uh who of course is known for her role in all in the family and dinosaurs so uh, I, I guess, um, and I wouldn't know any about anything about this, but she was Babette in Gilmore Girls. Kathy Wood. So, well, I knew nothing about Gilmore I think, Girls. I so. think she was. I think she was a character that like hung out in the diner and talked to another older lady. She was their next door neighbor. They were the next door neighbor. Oh well, we heard it from the source. 
Da, 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 da. The, the more, more you, you know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so... The thing that I I always remember her as is this like crazy outspoken activist on TV. They I guess <laughs> you know what, you know what I remember her from those uh, those uh, feed the children commercials. No, the correspondence class commercials. You can get your career diploma or even your degree. Choose from any one of these courses: high school, TV, VCR repair, computer programming, auto mechanics, bookkeeping, learning the personal computer, electrician, legal assistant, animal care specialist, interior decorating, child daycare, medical dental office, gun repair, small business management, teacher aid, catering and gourmet cooking, electronics, air conditioning repair, drafting, hotel restaurant management, fitness and nutrition, PC repair or get your degree you can major in business management or accounting the ones where she's like you could get your you could get your certificate in tv vcr repair oh yes plumbing yes. electrician oh, blah, blah blah or get your degree like it was just an infomercial that you would see all the time you know it would play during daytime tv because that's when all the unemployed like injured people would be watching tv well they i always remember like they did a spoof of her on uh, south park uh, in the Starvin' Marvin episode. Oh, where she was a big fat chicken. <laughs> yeah. She would eat all the food. She'd eat all the food. Yeah. Uh, she has a daughter named Molly who, like, makes a very brief appearance in one of our episodes. I don't think we really need to talk about her. Yeah. But I do want to mention that she did play a young Kess in Star Trek Voyager. Oh, the actress did. Yes, the actress did. Jana so, Michaels. Yeah. We don't need to get into her too much. Yeah. Uh, Wildcat, we only see very briefly, but it's voiced by Pat Freely. Uh, we mentioned him in our coverage for Centurions because he's Max Ray. Yeah. Max Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant Sea Operations Commander. Yeah. And then uh, we also talked about him in our first uh, episode for our for TMNT. He's best known as the voice of Krang, Casey Jones, Baxter Stockman. And just apparently he voiced a total of 59 characters on Ninja Turtles. So hey, yeah, you gotta use you gotta use what you got. He was Hillbilly Jim on the Hulk Hogan Rock and Wrestling Show. Yeah, uh, he was Fireball and Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs, another show I'd like not heard of, but I sent you a thing about. <laughs> yeah, and Marshall Moo Montana on Wild West Cowboys of Moo Mesa. I want to do that show so bad. So uh, Wildcat is the uh, is the hire for hire, hire for hire mechanic, and he's essentially like an idiot savant where he's completely. You just talk to me. He's he like, doesn't oh, live hey. on planet Earth. Yeah, he's like, oh, hey, guys, what are you guys doing? What is going on? He can build in one episode. He builds a plane in two hours. Well, I uh, I can slap together a plane in two hours with the parts I got. And since I only have half the parts, it should take only half as long. It's a shitty plane, but yeah. he builds a plane in two hours that can fly. Yeah, and and he that's what he does is he's he's a genius mechanic, but he has spent all of his intelligence on that thing and that thing alone. So he's got nothing else. And he 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 reminds me kind of of like Tommy Chong a little bit. It's just like, what's going on, man? How, yeah. How yeah. are you doing? That's a good way to think what's, about him, actually. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm that's okay. A, that's yeah. actually a really good way to think about him. <laughs> yeah. Now, Louie, who we mentioned before, he's the sort of like fun-loving buddy of Baloo who runs... He runs the... the it's called Louie's Place, the the bar whatever yep. he's voiced by jim cummings and i remember you telling this story well i forget what show we were doing I, I think it was duck uh it was darkwing duck maybe yeah so so louis or so king louis wait king you Louis. realize so it's right now we're recording and it's uh june we're recording this episode in the month of june early june yep and the darkwing duck episode i think we had already recorded this by then maybe a year ago so, so this has been a long time and somehow yeah. i remember this why <laughs> and so, so do you so Weird. jim jim cummings is not only a really great voice actor jim cummings is also a really great impressionist he can do voices for, yes that that's how that's part of the reason why he's such a great voice actor is he can mimic the voices of other that's why he took over uh for um Zummy, the roles of Zummy and, uh, and yeah. Tigger. If you don't know who he is, you haven't listened to our podcast. Yeah. Like, you just, you haven't. So, so. So, so go back and listen to other stuff, too. But, the, you know, he's, he's so, Jim yeah. Cummings. So, one of, the, one of the impressions that he did is he does a nearly spot-on impression of Louis Prima, who voiced the original King Louis in The Jungle Book in the 60s. So, Louis Prima was a big band leader 
And um, there was a lot of controversy back when we were talking about that. There was a lot of controversy about uh, the voice and the depiction of King Louis because it was found to be, by a lot of people, to be very racist and very insensitive and whatnot. Well, I think we had mentioned that there are some, like, there are some, like, legit racial undertones about, with Jungle Book and, yeah. and it being, a, you know, because of Walt Disney's sort of underlying racism. And yeah. We get, but, that's a whole other discussion. But Louis Prima was an Italian guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> Jim Cummings, when he took on the role of, of Louis in, in Tailspin, he does a spot-on Louis Prima impersonation. It's perfect. Like, a perfect Louis Prima impersonation. To the point that the widow of Louis Prima... And his estate. And his estate sued him and sued Disney for violation of their copyright or their... Using his likeness. Yeah, they were using his likeness. They were using so his voice So they had voice to change without... up his voice yeah, and a that's... little in some of the later episodes. And that's why... Aside from the aside from Tailspin, you don't see King Louis anymore. You see King Larry, which is Louis's twin brother or something, and has a different voice because of the lawsuit brought on by Louis Prima's uh, widow and their estate. Jim Cummings was no longer uh, allowed to do his Louis Prima impersonation. That's so stupid. Because it was so perfect. That sucks, man. Yeah. So Louis is uh, Baloo's best friend. His. Uh, like Chris said, his uh, place, his Louis place, is uh, a pit stop for pilots. It's, it's literally scallion hangout. It's literally located on an island. The only way to get there is either by plane or by boat. And so by plane for everybody. Yeah. So he. It's he, populated by pilots. By by, by pilots. By it's fly a, boys. It's a. Uh, it's an island bar. It's. It's vaguely a bar because every time, if you look at like the stuff behind the bar, it's never alcohol. It's like fruit juice. And that's what he serves is fruit juice and quotes around fruit juice because it's really like martinis and cocktails and stuff. Yeah. But because like at one point in one of our episodes, uh, Baloo is drinking like a ton of stuff and he's belligerent and he's obviously kind of drunk, but he's been yeah. drinking fruit juice. So, yeah, I don't know about that, but, you know, Jim Cummings... In addition to doing Louie and, of course, Darkwing Duck, and I mentioned him before as being the Cajun Firefly Ray for Princess of the Frog. And he is also Dr. Robotnik from the Chili Dog Sonic the Hedgehog. That's not Sonic Sat AM. That's just no, Sonic No, no, that's the just Sonic. Yeah. yeah. No, Sat AM is the good one. Yeah. The, the one that you hate is the, the one with all the Chili Dog jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, he also does Don Carnage, and we finally get to talk about Don Carnage, and I love Don Carnage. Don Carnage is a great character. He's genius. Take your hands off me and slap yourself! What are you talking about, you fools? Yeah, he's genius. The, he's the leader of the Air Pirates, who their home base is on the Iron Vulture. They're giant like flying flying fortress yeah it's it's essentially a giant flying aircraft carrier yeah that's in the shape of a vulture and that's the that's the their base of operations and they send out these little uh, assault planes to essentially so does that mean that don carnage is um is the leader of shield yes okay. he was the first leader of shield okay so... because shield predates captain america Ooh, true or not shield sorry uh, don carnage don predates, predates captain, captain america, america yeah. cuz that takes place before world war 2 in II. the 30s oh that's true so true. don mm. carnage came first interesting so he's a he's the captain of the iron vulture uh he's a red wolf apparently according to jim megan and uh, i love the like napoleonic like uh clothing that he wears too yeah he he does this voice and I don't... Oh, it's, you did put it in there. I, I was, did. I was going to say that... Jim Cummings cited directly Ricky Ricardo as his inspiration. And there's even a quote in one of the episodes that that we could play later that is a direct Ricky Ricardo... Pl like, Does he say something like, you got some splaining? Something like that. I can't remember what it is. But, but yeah, like his, vo his, there. his voice and his characterization is hilarious. He's just like, what are you talking about? Oh, do you think that I look beautiful? Like He, he, does, he does a lot of that. He's like... Don Carnage is... Oh, yes, I understand. And I tell you this right now, from where I stand, I look marvelous. Uh, what does he say in the last episode? He's like, I am a merciful god, so I will let them go. Retreat! Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Something like that. He just, he has these weird, he has these weird things that he says. I, I, they have to... Um, the character owes as much to the writers as it does to Jim Cummings because the voice characterization of Don Carnage is fucking genius. It is. And, like, 
again, it's not just the voice acting because, of course, the voice actors are doing a great job here. But the writing staff, they, the man, is on point. Like the stuff they write for these characters. Yeah. Uh, now, I I will say Shere Khan is a character in the show, and he's voiced by uh, Tony Jai and. Uh, you know, we can mention, you know, how Shere Khan is like an amalgamated translation of lion and, and like a surname of Khan or, you know, ruler. leader, ruler. Yeah. yeah. But we don't really need to get into this character because he's not a character that's covered in our, in the episodes we're going to watch. Yeah. He does come up in other episodes. And like yeah. I said, he's, he's sort of a Lex Luthor type business. Yeah. Mogul. But sometimes he does like good things too. It, he's like more complicated in this show. Yeah. Um, now the character I did want to mention the Thembrians. Yeah, uh, the Thembrians. The, Colonel the, Ivan Spigot, voiced by Michael Gog, who Spigot. is this sort of bluish boar. And yeah, all the Thembrians are boars. Yeah, and he's tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny. Michael Gog is the voice of Deckard Kane in Diablo. In case anybody was wondering, I love Deckard uh, Kane. I know. Um, and he's he's done some other stuff. He. He he did some some work in Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, um, and he did yeah he did a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, so Colonel Spigot is the head of the Thembrian Air Force. I am Colonel Spigot, master of the air. Perhaps you have heard of me. And Thembria is essentially a stand-in for the USSR. It's a Soviet stand-in, yeah. yeah. And they are a group of, they're a nation of boars that live in like the icy tundra. And it's very, they're very militaristic. Uh, they do parades. But they also, they show like all kinds of weird like ineptitudes where uh, they decide that, well, since we're not bombing, since we're not it, it, currently at war, we're not going to use bombs. We're going to literally use bathtubs. And they do. Yeah. Because it's just cheaper for them to build a bathtub and drop bathtubs out of a plane. It, it's just like, they do all kinds of weird stuff. And he's yeah. got a second, he's got a guy who follows him around called Sergeant Dunder, who's voiced by Lorenzo Music. And I didn't even need to look that up. You can hear it immediately. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, Lorenzo Music. There we go. Yeah. And um, I, Sp- Spigot has, <laughs> Spigot has a catchphrase. That he says all the time when he introduces himself. He goes, I am Colonel Spigot. Perhaps you've heard of me? And, and then, then everyone says no. And then the other thing is that everyone who does... or Everybody who has, like, they just make fun of how short he is well, or his lisp. Well, it's that. And he also, he also tends to get introduced as Colonel Nozzle instead of Spigot. Oh, yeah. He's like... Which he's is like, funny. It, like, the, the Grand Marshal is like, this is my commander, Nozzle. And he's like, uh, actually, sir, it's Spigot. Well, and apparently his grandmother was devoured by polar bears. Though whether, as a punishment for losing a national artifact or not, we don't know. It's possible. Yeah, he's always um, getting threatened with being shot by the Grand Marshal. Yeah, shot or, or murdered. Yeah. Um, and, and Dunder is Dunder is a character who's actually really nice. Like the, the and he's Thembrian, friends with Baloo, sort of. Yeah, the Thembrians are all kind of... They, they're all kind of assholes. Like, yeah. That, that's just their personality is because they're very militaristic and they think very highly of themselves. But Dunder is just a nice guy. He's just like, oh, hey, what's going on, Baloo? What are you doing? Oh, hi, Baloo. Thank you. My pleasure, Dundee. Say, you think we can get our old pal Spigot to help me deliver a package to the High Marshal's summer home? Oh, he can't do that. He'd be shot. Besides, he's busy trying to find someone to teach him to fly, but shh, that's a secret. Yeah. And he sometimes, like, uh, accidentally ends up helping Baloo against Spigot, which he does in one of the episodes that we picked. Yeah. Um, There was a video game about this. Which I played, and it's... It's hard. It's hard. It's And it's weird. I don't Um, like it all that much. uh, The reviews aren't great for it, but they're not terrible. It's it's like a side-scroller... And yeah, it's a, it's a weird game because you have it's, to go back and forth in it. I was trying to play it; it's not fun. It's complicated. <laughs> it's the controls are complicated. Is the problem? Well, let's um, let's jump into our episodes. Then. Yeah, let's do it. We'll start. Let's do it. Since we've been doing it this way, let's talk about your episodes. Okay, so I, I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> so originally, my first episode that I picked is the one we're going to talk about now, called Bygone, Season One, Episode Sixty Four. The second episode that I picked. Originally. Originally was Plunder and Lightning um, because I just remembered it being like the opener of the show. And I just forgot. Like I was just going off of memory. I was like, oh, you know, the opening's cool. That's when we meet Kit Cloudkicker because Kit lived with Don Carnage for a year and he betrays him and leaves and joins Baloo and all this stuff. It's like, okay, cool. Because it, it, it's a really good way to explain how everything gets to where it is. Mm-hmm. Shere Khan's in it. And then I forgot that it's like a five episode arc 
four episode arc or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Sean Sean texts me. He's like, "Are you sure you just want part one?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, "Wait, what are you talking about? Just part one? Because it's just one episode?" And he's like, "No, no, no. It's like a four part thing." I was like, "God damn it! Yeah, I I screwed up." It's so. like when we were doing Chippendales Rescue Rangers. I had text Chris. I'm like, "I really want to do the like five episode arc as my episodes, but that's a lot of episodes." Yeah. Which is why we ended up doing two episodes of uh, DuckTales. Yeah. Uh, so the second episode that I picked is called Flying Dupes, which is the last episode of the season. And I picked that one because apparently it was banned. Yeah, um, it was. But we'll, we'll talk about that. You know what? So, before we before we jump into your episodes, I just want to say... Oh, and we cu- we took a bonus episode this, we did. this week, too. But before we jump into the episodes, I just want to say that all the episodes, almost all the episodes of, the, uh, of Tailspin are all... The titles of the episodes are all, like, parodies. Yeah, parodies or tropes uh, related to film. So you have Plunder and Lightning, which is obviously Thunder and Lightning. You have an episode called uh, Stormy Weather, which is Stormy Weather. You have Her Chance to Dream, which is one of my episodes. And that's Per Chance to Dream, the, the phrase. So, like... It's kind of clever. Like all the episode titles oh, are, no, either, are either either a phrase or a book title or something from literature. So the reason why I picked my episode is I this is one of the episodes that I remember very clearly because it has the most badass air battle ever at the end. Like the it last does. like 2 minutes it's so cool. And I remember watching that episode as a kid and thinking I want to be Baloo. I need <laughs> to be Baloo. Yeah. How can I fly the sea duck and fight pirates? So what happens is, is it starts off with Baloo kind of reading a comic book to give us some context about, quote, Squadron 7, uh, which is a story about these pilots. And the Squadron of Seven are, of course, seven pilots, which are a stand-in for the Seven Samurai or the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. And uh, this story takes place in World War One. Yes. And this is the one that we were talking about earlier about uh, saying about, talking about the Great War ending 20 years before mm-hmm. and how there's this guy... Named Rick Skye, who was Baloo's like idol when he was a kid. Yeah, and the subject of the comic books that he's reading. Yes, and and how he got lost at sea, never to be heard of again, and he was trying to transport silver for the military or something. And everybody essentially assumed that he stole it. But what happened was, is I think Rick Skye got it, they all got frozen in ice, like sort of Encino Manish, and didn't yeah. die. And then they got defrosted. And twenty then, years later, twenty years later, and lived. And, and it didn't that, age, it didn't do anything. No, no. It, it, yeah, it's very weird. And so Rick at some point gets rescued by Baloo, who doesn't believe him. And apparently right off the bat, we find out that Rick is legit at flying. Yeah. Like super legit. And of course, Becky doesn't believe him either. Um, but but I just, uh, yeah, I really like this episode. What did you think about it? I liked it too. I, I had seen this episode before. So the, the thing about this episode is Baloo goes through like a sort of a character arc where he, at first he kind of wants to believe that it's Rick's guy because he has this bomber jacket and he says something like, like that bomber jacket's really cool. Like they haven't made those in like 20 years. And Rick gives him the bomber jacket. So he thinks it's all cool. And he wants to believe that it's Rick, Rick Sky. I keep wanting to say Rick flag, but that's from Suicide Squad. So he keeps <laughs> wanting to, he keeps wanting to believe that it's Rick Sky, And then... Rick ends up stealing the sea duck because he finds out, Rick finds out, that everyone believes that he and his squadron stole the silver that they were transporting for the war effort. So he steals the sea duck to essentially recover the silver to clear his name and his... his he, and that's, he's more that's, concerned with his honor than anything else. Is it, and that's when uh, Baloo gets a plane made for him by, by the mechanic. By Wildcat. By yeah. Wildcat in two hours... Yeah, go chasing after him. He's like, oh, I can build you a plane out of this, but I only have half the parts, so it'll only take half the time. So you'll have it in two hours. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah. He's, That's impressive. He's essentially flying on like an engine block. It's ridiculous. Yeah, more or less. So they go through some like kind of fun caperish stuff inside the Iron Vulture and yeah, they cause, escape. Because Rick gets captured. Yeah. and so he doesn't know Baloo's plane doesn't have guns on it. He doesn't understand why it wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I would with the lion baloney if you were Rick Sky. How come you got caught so easy? You were only outnumbered 10 to 1. And that was your fault. You didn't tell me a blasted plane had no guns. Imagine my surprise. Well, if I'd known you were going to steal it, I'd have put some on for you. That's perfectly all right. Apology accepted. Now, what say we get out of here? And they, they escape. And when they escape, 
there's this point when his Don Carnage is trying to shoot at them and get them, and his uh, sidekick like whispers at him his sidekick who never speaks yeah so he whispers something at him and then don carnage uh, responds to him yes i see nothing either too that is why we must shoot everything not inside and and i thought that was really funny because then they just started shooting at everything outside um but it's just i i what i liked about that quote is it reminds me of sort of don carnage's sort of the way his character processes things. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, I'm just going to shoot at everything because I don't know where they are. Uh, which, if anything, makes no sense. And But but then, at, at this point, they find the the guys frozen in ice and we get the super awesome biplane. Like, wow. the old guys are, are flying biplanes against, like, some new some new pirate ships. And they're, the pirates are getting owned. And this is where the, the quote that you talked about earlier don't come now she's a pirate of mercy he will let them go this time with a warning now retreat but like his timing it's not just the line because the line is funny of course but the way he delivers it is really funny too and i thought like okay yeah the rick's guy and the rest of them like they they go off into the sunset but i i really what i think is the more adult aspect of this episode is Two things. So Rick Sky comes to realize that he's a man out of time. Oh yeah, and that he doesn't belong, and that he needs. Even though it's only been twenty years. Yeah, but still, twenty years. A lot of things changed. She, you know, radio and everything yeah. else is very new to him, and he's confused. And then, especially Baloo's arc, dealing with his childhood hero, and going through that whole process, and then coming to the realization that heroes are not exactly what you think they are. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting arc for a kid's show. Yeah, and, and Rick ends up making Baloo a member of the squadron and gives him the silver to deliver to essentially prove that he is who he said he was going to be or he is who he was. And Baloo brings back the silver and Rebecca finally believes that that was Rick's guy. Yeah, so now he feels validated. Yeah. Now the, the next episode, The Flying Dupes, I do not know why it was banned. It had to have been because of the bomb. It has to be, but that's the only reason, and it's dumb. I yeah. don't understand. So, and this one was banned. So there was two episodes that were banned. This one was banned entirely, and there was another episode that we'll talk about in a minute that was banned initially and then was able to be... Viewed. Well, it, it made a single run, and then it got banned, and then it was banned for a while, and it's kind of snuck into a couple of airings on Disney later, like in syndication, uh-huh. by accident. Yeah. Of. But, so this episode, Flying Dupes, is basically Baloo gets paid money to deliver a, quote, housewarming present to the leader of Thembria. And the the housewarming present, quote, is actually a bomb uh, that needs to be delivered by 3 p.m. because that's when it, it's going to explode. And the guy who's paying him to do it is essentially a bomb maker, an arms dealer from Thembria, who wants Baloo to essentially start a war so that he can start making and selling bombs again because yeah. Thembria decides to just make bathtubs instead of bombs. Yeah, they don't have they don't they're not at war so they don't need to make bombs. Right. And so the whole the whole thing is about Baloo trying to deliver this even though the leader of Thembria is on vacation and so all the air routes are closed down. All the air vectors. Air vectors. What's yeah. an air vector? I don't know. And so like the plot device in this is that Spigot can't fly a plane. Yeah, this whole time we discovered that he has no idea how to fly. And he's the head of the Air Force. And uh, Now he has to take a test. Yeah. And the, he accidentally runs into Baloo, who's now going to teach him, as a way to sneak in. Exactly. The And that's that's the story. Yeah, so it's it's sort of hijinks ensue as Baloo is making his way into Thembria, and, and uh, Spigot wants to keep stopping in places to show off the fact that he can fly. Spigot wants to stop and see the 3 p.m. dancing girls. Yeah. Uh, at around 1.30. So he, he decides he wants to wait. And uh, Baloo is not having it, so he cross-dresses. He, he and, and puts on a Yeah, and Dunder. And they put on a, a cross-dressing performance to, to try and satiate Spigot's wants. Which is weird. And satiate but not the they... Fr- and satiate they do. Oh, yes. But it's not the first or the last time. No, it is the last time because it's a... It's the last episode. It's the last episode. Yeah, this episode but it's, not, it's th- not the first time that they cross-dress. Yeah, this episode serves as the series finale of the show. Which is weird. Because it just it just ends and you're just like, oh, oh 
oh, okay, yeah. right? There's so, no grand big thing. You would think that like a series finale for a show like this would be like at least a two-parter or something. So, so I guess Baloo just delivers packages ad infinitum. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Uh, it, it's a fun episode. I don't, and I enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot of fun sight gags and stuff, but I, I really don't know why this was canceled. It has to be the bomb, because the whole thing is that Baloo's transporting a bomb, and he actually delivers it to the High Marshal. And the High Marshal gets the bomb in his summer house, and the bomb maker ends up getting blown up with it. And the Air Marshal is fine, or the High Marshal is fine, and uh, Baloo is vindicated, and Spigot is vindicated, and nobody goes to jail, and nobody gets shot. It's, not, it's unclear. Well, no, he's the the bomb maker survives. So yeah, it's it's just a weird little episode, especially a weird episode. I, I get the feeling that this show was canceled unceremoniously. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of what happened, which I don't understand. I really don't. I it's, almost it's like feel they were, bitter about it. It's like they were expecting to get a second season, and then they were like, "Nope, we're not renewing you." And they're like, "Uh, hmm, okay, hmm." Okay. Yeah, that's weird. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, so my two episodes that I picked, the first episode that I picked was called Her Chance to Dream. Season 1, episode 16. Yeah, so this episode actually... This is a deep episode. It really was, and I remember it being, that's why I wanted to pick it. This is an episode that kind of focuses on Rebecca mostly. And this episode, uh, what happens is Rebecca is waiting up for Blue uh, to come in for a delivery. And Baloo is off partying at Louie's, and... They end up breaking through the floor because Baloo is a big fat ass and they're dancing and he breaks through the floor. And they find this old treasure chest that has a bunch of old crap in it. And they inadvertently awaken a ghost. And mm-hmm. this ghost scares them. Everyone in Louis flees. His Lu- name is Captain William Stansbury. Yeah. But they don't know that at that point. So it's just no. a ghost that's like causing things to fly around. So Baloo and Louie jump in the sea duck and they fly back to Cape Suzette. And finally they get there and Rebecca's like, well, where's all the cargo? And he's like, oh, I left it at Louie's. And so she gets pissed off at him and makes him fly back to Louie's. And well, she goes with him. And there's this great exchange when he gets back to her mm-hmm. that I love. Uh, because I feel like it sort of exemplifies the relationship between Baloo and Rebecca. Like he's trying to like excuse his bad behavior and and she's irritated and exasperated and she's exhausted and sort of literally yeah. exhausted and 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 so what happens is um so he comes in late and she starts in on him you low life excuse for a pilot when you said molly had eaten your maps that was cute when you said a big hurricane blew your plane to louis that was mildly amusing but this is stupid <laughs> yeah and and <laughs> so like, she, like right like you can't exi- like that is their relationship that, yeah. like that is just their relationship for the so, whole show so she makes him fly back to louis and she kicks him out of the plane and she goes to sleep in the plane and louis and baloo try to like scare the ghost away and end up making too much noise oh this is also when she claims the possession is nine tenths of guilt yeah, which I thought was funny. Yeah, uh, because uh, Louie gets hit by like a by like a papaya or something, and then Baloo ends up holding the papaya, and so then they run into the captain, and the captain takes an immediate shine to Rebecca, and Rebecca, oh, and he's very creepy. Yeah, and Rebecca takes. I mean, he's he's portrayed as this as this sort of 1800s like gentleman debonair gentleman yeah and he's a, he's a ship captain and he is putting the he is putting the moves on my would-be girlfriend allow me to assist you madam are these ruffians presenting a problem uh no i think the situation's under control um thank you the pleasure is mine madam captain william stansbury at your service. No, so that's that, this is the moment that I was so well, not the moment, but this is like kind of roughly the scene in which I was like, he seems bitter that she's picking him. Yeah. So you know? so there's this great jab though. Did you do you remember? There's this okay. So there's this point where uh, they jab at Baloo being fat. Madam, if this were my ship, I'd uh, have them flogged. <laughs> well said, madam. Hang him from the yardarm. 
It'd take two yard arms for Baloo. <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> Followed by a crack at Becky's perceived masculinity. You'll apologize to the lady, sir. <laughs> Show me a lady, and I will. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm sorry. But this whole exchange, though, is very weird because it's sort of hinted at that Baloo and Becky are into each other. Which I guess kind of explains why Baloo then tries to stop the captain's advances towards Rebecca. Well, he does. And then it makes more sense later on, too, because he realizes that the captain is a ghost. And this this actually... So, Becky... Rebecca falls more and more for the captain is a ghost. And the, the captain ends up essentially, like... Making pottery with her? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, he ends up, like, essentially giving her a choice... He says, like, you can come with me and we can be together forever, which I guess would mean that she would die. Or, I was going to say, come with me if you want to live. Yeah. Or she can, like, go back. Because Louis finds this magical spell book that will dispel his spirit. Conveniently. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And so they start to do the spell. And then uh, Rebecca is like, no, no. And she takes the book from them. And then she realizes that he is a ghost and that she would be leaving. And then it's it, Baloo says, think of Molly, your daughter. And that's what brings her back. She's and like, she starts oh. to cry. Yeah, she's it like, gets no. really emotional. Yeah, and, and it's, and the, the episode itself is like, and this is the thing about Tailspin, is Tailspin on the surface is not an adult show. Just like looking at it, you're like, this is an adult show. But the and theme... it's not really an adult show, but the in themes some ways... Are fa- the themes are fairly adult, especially this episode. And I actually didn't remember it being this like emotional and this like... No. Because, so, you see that Rebecca is, is like, sort of tortured by the fact that she has no life. She has no love life. Yeah, she's she, lonely. She's lonely. And she's this a single was, parent. Yeah, and this was someone that was fulfilling her, like, romantic and emotional needs. And she realized that she couldn't be with him because she has a daughter. And she needs to, she can't just run away with the guy. She needs to come back and be with her daughter. So and she sets him free. She sets him free. And there's... There's a. Are you talking about the? Or were you going to talk about the exchange at the end in the bedroom? Uh, with her and Molly. Yeah. So no. So no. so what happens is is when they end up after all this happens, she ends up hanging a picture of the ghost on the wall. Yeah. And and it's in her room, and and Molly asks, you know, mommy, who's that a picture of? And then uh, she starts to tell the story. Molly comes over and sits on her lap. And she just starts to very, like, silently sob when she tells the story of this brave debonair ghost captain. Hey, who's that guy? Well, I'll tell you a story, Molly. A long time ago, there was a sea captain. He was very brave and very, very handsome. With his lady at his side, he sailed on a and yeah. tears like flowing down her cheeks as she like talks about how wonderful he is and all this stuff. I'm like, man, she just got deep here. Yeah, and it's something that I don't know if they they, they talk about in the show because because uh, Molly, I mean Molly, Rebecca obviously had a husband at some point or had at least a father of Molly. I believe and, that they mention that uh, it's a divorce relationship. Yeah. He's non-existent. Yeah. So so Rebecca at some point was in a relationship and now she's not she might be the first single mom uh in disney uh, maybe yeah because i can't think of a single mom other than her that wasn't yeah i can't especially either. if it was from divorce if it was a single mom it would have been from death well because disney likes to kill parents yeah it does yeah so so the episode ends with uh with uh, with Rebecca, that crying scene in the bedroom. Yeah, Rebecca choosing her daughter over... Now, over... your other episode is very much like a parent trap. Yes, uh, it absolutely like a, is. Or, no, a, a Freaky Friday. Yeah, so the the uh, the other episode I picked was season one, episode 28, a Baloo switcheroo. And a Baloo switcheroo. This episode starts with, uh, like, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah. Where this, this like, monkey archaeologist finds it's an, an Indiana idol. Jones stand-in, yeah. but who's, like, a wimpy... Yeah. Indiana with glasses. So he finds an idol. It's just like the beginning of the episode, or the beginning of uh, Raiders, where he grabs the idol, and he runs out, and then Don Carnage is there, and he essentially does the, like, oh, again, we see that there is nothing that you can possess that I cannot take away, or something like that. My, my, my. You are one noisy fellow, Professor O'Bowens. 
Don Carnage? The one and only. I will be taking that little Nikanaka, if you please. Don Carnage essentially says that, and... And it also has, like, Baloo waiting in the plane, just like in, in the movie. Yeah. In the, uh... Jock! Jock, start the plane, Jock! Start the plane! Yeah, yeah it's, it's that. It's the whole, like, first bit of, of Raiders. Yeah, so... Which is awesome. I just want to watch Raiders now. Yeah, so, uh, the the whole the whole plot device of this episode is that the idol, during a lightning storm... Don't will... look at the idol in a thunderstorm. So it's a, it's it's the Lost Covenant. Yeah, so the if you look at the idol during a lightning storm, then you get switched with the other person. So Thankfully, a... though, the voices switch with the bodies when that happens. Yeah. Because otherwise, it would get too confusing. Yeah, maybe. so... Baloo and Kit switch places, and then eventually down the line, Rebecca and Don Carnage switch places. And they have to get the idol back and have like a lightning storm happen again and look at the idol with before the sun rises or the change will be permanent because arbitrary supernatural rules. So they spend they spend the episode trying to get the idol back, and they finally get the idol back, and they switch themselves back. And then uh, um, two of the uh, the henchmen for Don Carnage get switched, and the episode ends with "We need to find that idol." Yeah, well, there's this part before they they switch where uh, Don Carnage uh, breaks in with this funny line: "Where could that idol be? Idol, idol. You know, I really like that word." Yeah. <laughs> um, and like he has these like little moments where he's just like that's that's very weird. And then um, the, the part where the part where he uh, looks up or where he first runs in after he switched bodies and he runs into Rebecca in his body and he goes, "Darling, from where I from where I stand, I look marvelous." Yes, <laughs> I, I think that is um, like earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's also this really great exchange. Where you can see the Ricky Ricardo inspiration. I look marvelous. That's like right at the end before you find out that the pirates are switched too. I, I really like this episode. It, this was like not like a deep emotional episode, but it's it was fun. goofy and fun. Yeah, yeah, it's goofy and fun. It so kind of breaks it up. The thing about Tailspin is that it is way deeper than you remember. Like a lot of the episodes have a lot of heart and a lot of subtext that you probably didn't see when you were like seven or eight watching this show. The next episode, God, I'm so glad we picked it uh, because it was our our sort of bonus episode that we picked because it was banned. Yeah. And it ended up being a really good episode. Yeah. It's called Last Horizon, season one, episode 32. Well, it's all season one, right? Yeah. Uh, and so what it is essentially is Baloo feels inadequate because... Some explorer found something, something and he and got a parade. And Baloo and this, has done all kinds of stuff and never gets recognized. Yeah, and this is the one where he's at Louie's and he's he's like five smoothies deep. In, yeah. yeah, and he's like, fuck this guy. But he feels, he has these like feelings of inadequacy and uh, regret, maybe. Um, and he, I think he wishes that his life was different. Mm -hmm. And like, you wouldn't expect that from like a kid's show like that. No. And we just go on adventures and do fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and Baloo uh, claims that he's he almost yeah he claims that he's important because he almost found the fabled city Pandala, which is Shangri La. Yeah, and and Kit actually has this like little comment that it was like kind of nice, and he goes, uh, Baloo doesn't hear it, but but Kit says, Baloo's somebody to me. Yeah, and so it's like, see, like I mean, he says that a couple times during the episode. Like you yeah. don't have to be someone if you're someone to me. Like, why do you have to be... Like, it, I love you. You're still important. Yeah, it's and that's okay. essentially, that's essentially the message. Like, what does it matter what other people think of you if I think that you're great? Yeah, exactly. And they, so they do find... It, Baloo does find Pandala. Did you notice... So Pandala is led by this guy named Juan Lo. Did you notice who the voice is? It sounded familiar. It So at first, and I was wrong. I So I went and Googled it because I wanted to know, but I was wrong. I thought... It was somebody and it wasn't. But it ended up being Robert Ito, who uh, he's a voice actor. Uh, he, he did he had a main character in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai and Quincy M.E. But um, he played Ensign Harry Kim's dad in Star Trek Voyager. Uh, and he had like a random commander role in TNG. But he, you might remember, is the voice of uh, Kyo Daiken from uh, Batman the Animated Series. He's the uh, ninja assassin rival of Bruce Wayne from their old school. Huh. Um... And he, yeah, he gets that character. He gets to do that character twice in Batman. Nice. Um, yeah. Um, oh, he's also the voice of the Mandarin from the the uh, Iron Man TV show. The, yeah. The cartoon. Yeah, exactly. 
So it turns out that Pandala is, nobody can ever find it because the whole city moves. And what they do is they go to a new location. Uh, they plop down, they conquer that city. Uh, they take all their stuff and then they move on. Mm-hmm. But Baloo doesn't know that. And uh, so Baloo gets his plane repaired and then pa- Pandala follows him home and then attacks Cape Suzette. Because they have sort of advanced technology for a sort of ancient Asian-esque race. They have heat-seeking missiles, yeah. which ends up being the uh, the determining factor in them kicking the crap out of the Cape Suzette Air Force. Which also ends up being the determining factor in Baloo winning because he fills his plane full of ice cream. Yeah, and I don't know how actually that would have worked. I don't either, but it's a cartoon, <laughs> so who cares? Yeah. Uh, but he just makes his plane cold so that they can't ever see his his plane. But he, you know, he gets everyone saved safely, and, and, yeah, and he ends up he ends up cutting. Uh, he ends up either blowing up the the balloons because they travel essentially in hot air balloons. Yeah, they they hot air it, a la the movie Up. They have balloons come out of the top of their pagodas and they float along, and then they shoot everything with missiles. So he either blows up the balloons and drops the the. Uh, the uh, the pagodas into the water, or he yeah. cuts the wire, or he cuts the the ropes with the plane and drops them into the water. There is some sort of like gang caper stuff where like you know Rebecca and Kid and Wiley they all end up in Pandala like to help Baloo and they, they like, save him. Yeah, they like stowed away on the sea duck. I yeah, guess. yeah, something like that. And then they save him, and then they all destroy the Pandala people's plane and uh, buildings. And and that's how Baloo gets he gets his parade he gets his parade yeah because but I think he realizes the parade wasn't the important part all along yeah this this episode was banned because of uh, unflattering depictions of East Asians because essentially Pandala was a pre World War II Japan okay but I've seen some stuff that's way worse than this yeah I have too so I, I don't know it, it's it's a weird in fact, the, the penguin depiction of the Japanese in Animal Olympics is probably worse. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, it was probably way worse. And that I didn't think was that bad. I feel like it could have been worse, too. Yeah, but anyway, that's Tailspin. Uh, Tailspin, to me, like I said, it is a super deep show that doesn't get... I don't think gets the credit for being as deep and as emotional and as sort of poignant as it actually was. Like, there's real heart and soul, I feel like, in almost every episode. The ones that aren't just, like, one-off goofs. Yeah, and and for me, this show as a kid, like, really inspired, like, a sense of adventure and wonder. I, I found myself, like, kind of remembering back to that. Like, as a kid, I, I remember, like, I loved this show, and I would go out and, like, do my best to explore in places that I wasn't supposed to get into. And, mm-hmm. do, you know, do things that I maybe shouldn't have, but... I just I needed to see what was out there, and and I I feel like this show sort of helped with that, I because the show made me feel that way. I wanted to know what else was out there. The show it, it's a huge world that they should have been able to expand on. This this is a show that should have also gotten a ride. At oh Disneyland yeah, and never did. Yeah, um, and you know what this this show reminds me of the same feeling I got the first time I watched Indiana Jones. You're just like, that is so awesome. Like, I want to be part of this world. Like, I, Yeah, like, I want to live in this world and travel with you. Yeah. I want to be your co-pilot. Yeah. Like, it, it, they do such a good job at that. And and I don't... Yeah, I think you're right. They, this show just, I don't think, gets what it deserves. Yeah, I, I would highly, highly recommend rewatching this show. I mean, yeah. there's, there's plenty of episodes. I wouldn't say binge it, but if you want to watch a couple episodes here and there, it like... It has more than just like the bright colors. Like it actually has yeah. it, it. It it has the backbone of a good show, but it also has the soul of a good show. My my three year three and a half year old daughter uh, also likes this show too. Oh, good. Um, so I, have, I don't know if that helps to sell it or not. But I have it, something in common with her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have well, a lot in common. Yeah, with her. especially with all the shows we watch. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, she. Yeah, she really likes this show. Again, I I think Ducktales is her favorite. Um, but she did enjoy this show too. I just I think. This is one because, like, the subject matter, like, the character development is maybe deeper. You could probably watch several of these in a row and it'd be okay. Because mm-hmm. that's how I watched them. I watched all five of these in one go. Yeah, so, I did too. Yeah. And I, I don't normally do that. I had a, uh, I had a long day of cartoon watching the other day. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, we've recorded the last couple episodes in one sitting. So if we sound more interesting today, that's because we're three episodes worth of drinking in one. So... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, you know the thing is, is uh, sometimes we do that 
anyways, just because of our schedule's crazy. But next week we have episode 50. You know, we don't want to make a big thing, but we're going to maybe break a little and do something different. Maybe a little live-ish action-y thing, maybe? Yeah, we might start getting into some of that stuff now. Yeah, why not? Why not? We can do what we want. It's our uh, childhood. Yeah. We, 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 we'll relive it as we like. Damn straight. Yeah. So, if you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is at RemasteredCast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howard for the use of our intro music, Mason. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. All right, and so until next time, this has been Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time.